that the job market is directly tied to Class C occupancy. So when the takes place correction and the employment goes down, so too will Class C occupancy. It's that time of year again, tax season. Dun, dun, dun. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return, and there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide in I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean, this is the ultimate rental property tax guide. And you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. We hate that fluffy stuff. And today we got Follow Along Friday. The purpose of Follow Along Friday is to talk about lessons we've learned through our entrepreneurial journey. And when I say we, it's Theo Hicks and I. And today, well, I just got back from the Best Ever Conference and Theo couldn't make it. He couldn't make it unexpectedly or rather, I guess, expectedly. Theo, if you want to share why, feel free to do so. If not, we'll just say it's a family thing. Do you want to share? Uh, Family thing, yeah. Family thing. He had a family thing. So... This year, there are some lessons learned that I came across with the conference, and there are some things that I thought would be relevant to you, best ever listeners, and that's what we're going to talk about. That's how we're going to approach our conversation. So you want to jump right into it, Theo? Well, I did have one question. I don't think I've asked you this before, but I know for you, the progression went from, you taught people how to buy single-family homes, so it was kind of a smaller little group where you were presenting And then that kind of evolved, not necessarily from that exactly, but it progressed to the meetup group Mm -hmm. and then eventually progressed to the conference. So I was going to ask you, at what point do you think people should make that jump from doing a meetup to putting on an annual conference? That's a good question. A little bit of background. I was teaching a class in New York City on how to buy single family homes that cash flow in markets that make more sense to purchase them. It was not New York City. It was Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth at the time. And then I evolved or just changed to apartment investing. 
And then I taught a class on how to buy apartments. And one of the attendees actually introduced someone, his name's Ben, to the apartment investing class. Ben then attended the class in New York City. And Ben and I stayed in touch and became friends. And he actually is the one who co-hosts the conference Mm -hmm. with me. So as a result of me doing the initial class where I built a friendship with someone who now co-hosts the Best Ever Conference with me. So first, to answer your question directly, if you are serious about building a network, and as Robert Kiyosaki talks about, the richest people in the world build networks, everyone else looks for work, then put on a conference. And it doesn't have to be as formalized as what I and Ben does with the Best Ever Conference. It could simply be a larger meetup and a larger meetup and a larger meetup. And as that meetup grows, it gets larger and larger and larger. Then you simply host a one-day thing on a Saturday at a larger venue, tell people to invite their friends, and then it evolves from there. So my suggestion is to go with the evolution of your network versus trying to start from scratch and putting on a conference in a city where you don't live. That's what we did. Ben lives in Denver, Colorado. So he approached me and it was already on my list of things to create, but I didn't have the ability or rather I should say I did not prioritize it, my life and my business to have a conference, but I knew I wanted to do one. I just didn't want to do the logistical stuff. And Ben came to me and he said, let's do this conference. We'll split it 50-50. I'll do the on the ground execution. You help with speaker introductions and identifying the right speakers for the topics and the promotion of the conference. I said, great. And off we went. So start with the meetup and then grow from there and then see how you want to evolve it. Okay, perfect. Some things I learned at the conference this year. They're all real estate related, but some on the surface, actually the first one actually on the surface might not sound like it is, but I'll tell you how we come full circle with it. I heard about a funny comedian. His name's Brian Regan. Have you heard of Brian Regan, Theo? It sounds familiar, but I I, I don't Look up his stuff on YouTube. He's a really funny guy. He's been around a while and he's got a bit about the invention of the ironing board and how that's the worst invention ever. And I will not try to mimic what he says about it because I am not a comedian. I don't want to mess up his set. So go check out Brian Regan. So that was one thing I learned, but here's the real estate angle. So Colleen and I, my wife and I, after the conference, so the conference was a week ago, I came home and I was like, hey, I heard about this funny comedian. Maybe we check it out. So we started watching one of his videos and it was hilarious. It was an hour set. And then I got more interested in him and his background because I heard about him from multiple people at the conference during one conversation. But we started talking about comedy. One person said Brian Regan and everyone else in the group were like, oh yeah, you got to listen to that guy. It's clean humor. It's Jerry Seinfeld-esque mm-hmm. kind of insight, not bathroom humor, which I don't enjoy. So listen to it. And then I watched a talk that Brian did at Google, at the Google headquarters. They have like Google Talks where they interview someone and it's more of a insightful conversation. He's not doing his gig there. He's being interviewed. And the title of it was How to Make People Laugh, which he didn't really make too many people laugh during the thing. He wasn't trying to make people laugh. 
I think the title is a little misleading. It was more about his story and how he got to where he's at as a successful comedian who's performed at Radio City Music Hall and a bunch of other places. And I wrote down some takeaways as real estate investors that we can learn from his story. Takeaway number one is when he first started, he was taking as many opportunities to be in front of people to be on stage as possible. And an example of that is he was working at a local club or he was wanting to be at a local club and the local club had a daily show and he went up to the club promoter and he said, can I get on it daily? And he said, really, you want to be on this daily? And he said, yeah, I want to do it daily. And the club promoter said, well, no one's asked me about that, but yeah, sure. You want to do it daily? Great. Because from a club promoter standpoint, no sweat off their back if the performer just doesn't make the crowd run away because just more entertainment and it's free. You don't get paid. He did it for two and a half years daily. Nobody else had asked to do it daily ever to the club promoter. But Brian did it two and a half years daily to hone his craft. So that's the first thing, doing things consistently. Not groundbreaking, but it's just an example of someone when they were starting out, they did something that no one else was doing. And now he's achieving things that most people don't achieve within his field. So that's number one. Number two is when he was first getting started at that club and when he was bouncing around to other clubs, I think he's from Florida, he wasn't a well-known person and he wasn't that good. So what would happen is he would be at a show and there would be experienced comedians and then there would be local comedians. And the experienced comedians would go on first for the first three hours and then the local comedians who are trying to make a name for themselves, then they go on after. Well, the MC would usually say, okay, everyone, hope you enjoyed the show. And this is after the experienced comedians would go. And then the MC would say, and now we've got some local comedians who are trying to hone their craft. If you like to stick around, then great. Please feel free to stick around. Otherwise, have a great evening. <laughs> so it's basically like, okay, now the show's basically over. But if you want to have some sympathy for these other people who are trying to make their living, then please stick around. So what Brian did, he turned that disadvantage where people were walking out the door into an advantage. And he developed a whole gig believing. And eventually he got so good at that and he built up a name for himself. He would get up on stage and people weren't leaving anymore. So then the gig fell flat. <laughs> so then he had to revise his gig. But he turned a weakness into a strength. Or rather, he took advantage of a situation that he was presented time and time again, and he figured out a way to turn that into an asset. I think that's the more relevant way to interpret that. And as real estate investors, when we come across challenges, we're all going to come across challenges, but are we coming across that challenge and thinking, oh, woe is me, and I'll just get through this, which sometimes we need to do. But more often than not, it's more empowering and helpful for us to think, okay, what's great about this? And that's what Tony Robbins talks about. Anytime you come across a situation, asking yourself, what's great about this? And it forces your mind to think about some things that are great about this and then thinking about how can I turn this into an asset? And then the third thing, and then I'll pause for a moment before we go on to some more tactical things from a real estate standpoint that are not Brian Regan related. The third thing I learned from Brian and his Google talk was when he's writing his stuff, he doesn't try to make others laugh. That's not a focus of his. He's not thinking, how can I make this big old audience laugh? Instead, what he's thinking of, what are some things that I find funny? 
And if I were in the audience, what would I find very funny? And that's what he writes about, common observations. And when I can tell you when I was preparing my keynote for the Best Ever Conference, I thought, what are some things that if I were in my shoes a year or two ago and I was in the audience, what would be some things I would find insightful? And that was a good litmus test for the things I talked about at the conference during my keynote. Because if I can objectively think, okay, these are pretty interesting, or eh, this might not be as relevant, or maybe this is too obvious, or maybe this is semi-obvious. I don't want any of that stuff. I want some insightful things that are deep and meaningful that we can make some impact on. So when we're focusing on public speaking, here's a tip. When you're focusing on public speaking, don't try to impress everyone in the audience. Think about one person, whether it's yourself a couple years ago or whether it's your ideal customer or client, think about that one person and what would they find interesting? If they would find it interesting, then it's likely you're going to find other people who will find it interesting. Yeah, it's an observation. It's always amazing to see how you can take something that seems completely unrelated to really anything and then make it related to real estate. The one that resonated the most with me was number two when you're talking about how all the good comedians went first and then all the local comedians went second and they <laughs> essentially sent everyone home. And so it was kind of like a bad thing. And I'm sure some of the local comedians didn't really appreciate that or want to do that. It just kind of reminds me, I was in a syndication school, but so talking about how to find deals in hot markets. And one thing you can do is essentially pursue the deals that no one else wants, but figure out how to make those deals make sense. So it's kind of similar to what he was saying where nobody probably wants to have everyone leave, but figure out what you need to do in order to take advantage of that situation because it's your only shot at really making it from a comedian standpoint. But for the real estate example, this is from a podcast episode. I can't, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but his example was he would pursue any property that had foundation issues because he found a contractor who would be able to resolve the issues relatively inexpensively compared to what people's expectation is. People would go to the property, they'd see the main show, and then at the end, they'd be like, oh, by the way, there's a foundation issue. And like, okay, well, we don't want to buy this property now. Whereas for him... He went out to brokers and owners and really anyone who would listen to them and say, hey, any property you come across with a foundation issue, send it my way because he was able to, again, fix those issues inexpensively. I love that you brought that up. The takeaway there could be wing over and over again or just multiple times and it's initially a barrier or negative to your business. Identify what that solution is and it might give you a competitive advantage, which it did. And for Brian Regan, and, or in the example you gave with the interview guest I did, the foundation person came across foundation issues, find the foundation person who can solve that. Once it's solved, develop a system. And then now you have a competitive advantage and you can buy all these properties with foundation issues. Exactly. Um, and insert some other issue that you come across with properties commonly for the foundation and go do the thing in your market. So that was all those with Brian Regan and the three sub bullets was number one. Number two, this will be quicker. John Chang, Marcus and Millichap heads up their lead economist. He might have a different title, but basically the economist at Marcus and Millichap. He presented on insights on the market and trends. And one interesting thing he mentioned, this is very surprising. And I think a lot of the audience in attendance thought it was surprising as well, is he said that the job market is directly tied to class C occupancy. So when the takes place correction and the employment goes down, so too will class C occupancy. And he said, it's actually better to be in class A <laughs> properties, which goes against what my, my 
Yeah, yeah. And many people in the audience thought that. And I was raising my question, asked, can you elaborate on that a little bit? But someone beat me to the punch and they asked to elaborate on it after his initial talk. And he said that class A residents, they've got better jobs, more qualified. And class C residents, service-related jobs that tend to get cut. And the big thing he was mentioning was savings or lack thereof. Class C residents, not as much of a savings account. So it impacts them more, the recession, whereas class A, it doesn't as much. He said, now all of his insights are macro level. They're not market specific. So perhaps some markets might react differently. What I take away from that is it's really good to be in class B because <laughs> I'm not sure I'm fully on board with class A being the better performing asset class than class C during a correction. I'm not sure I'm on board with that. It depends on what you buy it for, I guess, because if it's new construction, you got to have a certain rent per square foot to pencil the project. And I just see a lot of concessions take place in class A during correction. So I think a happy medium is class B and stick to class B properties because regardless of who's right or which school of thought is correct, if you're in the middle, you're mitigating the risk pretty well. Yep. Agreed. The third thing is Matt Rodak mentioned something that really opened up my eyes to Matt Rodak. He's with fund that flip and best ever listeners, you know, fund that flip because they've been a sponsor on this show many, many times. And I consider Matt a friend of mine. We've known each other for many years And he mentioned something that I hadn't thought of before. Someone was talking about population growth or lack thereof. And he said, one thing to keep in mind is don't just look at if a market is losing or decreasing in population and write that market off. He said, what you need to look at is if a market is decreasing in population, then what demographics within that population decrease is actually leaving versus are they gaining any other demographics within that population? And he mentioned Pittsburgh specifically. He said, Pittsburgh, their population is decreasing. But if you look at the demographics closer, it's because older people are leaving or dying. And it was top heavy with older people. So they're leaving or dying And the 21 to 34, whatever it was, that demographic, that's actually increasing. So it's an interesting dynamic to look underneath the surface some. So don't just look at a population growth or flatlining or decreasing. Dig a little bit deeper and see what age group is actually causing that to take place because it could actually be a really good opportunity. I'm not saying go invest in Pittsburgh. I'm just saying conceptually it could be a good opportunity to find a market that is decreasing so people are writing it off, but then it's increasing in population from a younger demographic, which likely shows signs for future growth. Yeah, and that's why for our market evaluation guide that we have on the blog, as well as what we discussed on Syndication School, starts with look at the five-year population trend, and then the second part is look at the five-year population age trend and break it apart between but at 10 years and see which ones are increasing, which ones are decreasing. As you mentioned, a flatlining population isn't necessarily a disqualifier as long as there is some age group that is increasing and that you're able to target that with your investment strategy. So yeah, that was a great point. I never articulated that way in my mind, but now I know exactly why we did population and then population age at the same time. Number four, 
an investor of mine, she mentioned, loved the conference, wish there were more females on stage. And a handful of females mentioned the same thing to me. So a takeaway is we're going to incorporate more females on stage. And we intentionally tried to incorporate as many as we could. So it was something that was top of mind for me going into it, but we missed the mark on it clearly. So I think we had 10 to 15% of the speakers were females. So we'll look to make a more focused effort on that. So that's just a takeaway there. Theo, do you have any comments about that? Yeah, it's about my fault because I always say guys whenever I read this review. So I need to <laughs> I'll say, sorry, start saying guys and girls and we'll get to more at the conference next year. Yeah, I think it's because they've been so turned off because you always say guys. There. <laughs> and, and it's so, the same thing. That's probably why we didn't have enough speakers that are female. And then the fifth thing is I was speaking to Ryan Gibson. He's with Spartan Investment Group or Investing Group. And he's ahead of their investigations. And he was talking to me about how he has a membership at a athletic club in the city where he resides. And it's like a city club or athletic club. It's a paid membership. And it's in my mind, it's kind of like a fluent group of people, financially speaking. So he said, well, think about it. Do you work out at Planet Fitness or do you work out at a club like this? And I personally work out in my basement because we got some equipment there. So that's what I run road to get my cardio in. But it's interesting. And he was talking about how he does the things that he was going to do anyway, for example, working out or hosting happy hours for investors. But he does it at this club where there are other accredited investors who he could come across. So for me, I'm going to look into it for Cincinnati. I don't know if it's going to be right for me because I don't like dressing up at all. I like wearing jeans and a flannel shirt or something. That's my thing. And I believe you have to dress up to go to these clubs, at least to go in there. And it's just not my thing. He enjoys dressing up. He enjoys looking good. So I don't know if this particular tactic is for me, but the overarching insight is for me. And I think it is for anyone else who's listening. And that is to consciously maximize every minute that we spend when we're focused on business. And there are ways to maximize the minutes that we spend, even if we're previously weren't focused on business, for example, working out. And another example of that, and I talked about this in my keynote, maximizing our time is incredibly important. And a way to do that is always learn while building friendships. So I mentioned this past weekend, I would argue that bigger pockets is a more effective use of someone's time than listening to this podcast, unless you're doing a commute or unless you're working out or something. Because when you're on bigger pockets, you're learning from whatever you're reading about, plus you're building friendships with people and you're connecting with them. And this is a team game. And when we are on bigger pockets, we're doing those things. Whereas if you're listening to a podcast, not just mine, but any podcast, you're not necessarily networking with other people and building friendships. So I clearly want everyone to continue to listen to this podcast. So when you're commuting and doing other things, then great. Or if you want to be an overachiever, then get on bigger pockets and network and learn while listening to the podcast, right? And then you can have all this sorts of knowledge and stuff coming at you at once while building friendships. So being intentional about maximizing our time and thinking about, okay, with this activity that I typically do, 
am I learning while building friendships? If so, then I'm doing two things at once that I know successful real estate investors do. Or am I just reading a book and not necessarily getting to know others? There's a place and time for that, like while you're on an airplane or something flying somewhere. But it's my opinion that it's not the best, most effective use of your time unless you really want to learn something very specific. And then that book offers that thing or that podcast episode offers that thing. I'm glad you said airplane because I was thinking in my head, I got two examples of this. You said airplanes are times where you don't do this. But just in the past week, my business partner's wife was flying and she was sitting next to a guy. I think she had, might have gotten upgraded first class for free and she was sitting next to this business person. They started talking and he has a really high net worth and is interested in passively investing. So again, she could have just read a book, but instead she just was talking to this guy. Another example was I interviewed, his name is Rock Thomas, while you were at the conference, and he mentioned the same thing. His flight got delayed by three hours, and rather than kind of pout like everyone else, he was like, oh, great, now I get to make one new friendship. And then he sought out, and he actually met a guy from one of the documentaries that he really likes, just happened to be there. Rather than get pouting or just reading his book, he just reached out to this guy, and they've gotten dinner together, met his kids, and Literally kind of two examples of, of even something as simple as when you're in the airport, rather than listen to a podcast, talk to the person next to you, maybe nine times out of 10, nothing comes from it. But maybe that one time you create a new friendship that leads to some sort of business opportunity that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Yep. So kind of same concept. It can really apply to anything at any time. Taking your dog for a walk when you're at a restaurant, just depends on how personable I guess you are and how extroverted you are. Yep. Or how personal you choose to be. Yeah. Those are great tips, Joe. I appreciate you sharing those. I was able to make it. So those are really good tips. My favorite one would probably be the comedian one, just because it was just fascinating how you were able to, <laughs> how I'm going to pull those lessons out of that. <laughs> All right. So moving on to the last part, we have the trivia question. So two weeks ago, the trivia question was, and again, if you're the person who gets the question correct first, gets a, a free copy of our first best ever book. So two weeks ago, the question was, in 1929, it was announced that they were going to increase the height of the Empire State Building from 1,050 feet to 1,250 feet via that needle structure. And the question was, when that was announced, what was the original purpose of that needle on top of the Empire State Building? And they actually said that they were going to use it as a docking station for blimps, which I thought was very interesting. Obviously never happened. It seemed as if it was more of like a marketing ploy that it wasn't even really feasible, but... It seems but, like an April Fool's Day joke, having a needle as a landing station for a balloon. Like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So apparently the logic was that they had a blimp landing station that was further outside the city. The blimp would come, drop people off, then it'd have to commute into the city. And so the whole selling point was, if you put the docking station on top of the Empire State Building, then you can be on the streets of New York within seven minutes. So obviously it didn't happen, but I just thought that was funny. You'll probably be on the streets of New York in about eight seconds, however long it takes, it takes to fall, fall from the top to the bottom of the Empire State Building. It's just <laughs> interesting. Like you, pops. you probably never get away with something like that right now, but back, no, back in the no, 19th. For, well, for good reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this week's question is not about blimps, but according to Zillow, they said the best time of the year to list your single family homes or personal resident for sale is the first half of May. So we're approaching that time. So if you're wanting to sell your house, do it in May. The question this week is, what is the best day of the week to actually sell your property? And this is based off of the highest price and the fastest sale. Well, first off, I recommend reading that Zillow book while you're doing something else. So I don't contradict myself while you're on a plane or something. I recommend (laughs) reading that Zillow book. 
It's got a lot of insights in there. And I'd say, I'm going to go with people are most likely looking. I think the question really is, when are people most likely browsing the listings to look for a new home? And a lot of people have real estate agents. So I'm going to now say, when are most real estate agents really browsing, looking for homes for their clients? So I'm not going to say the weekend. I'm going to say Monday. I'm going to say Monday. Monday. Okay. Yeah. So any guy or girl who is listening, please either submit your answer on the YouTube video below if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast, submit your answer to info at Joe Fairless. Any first person to send us the correct answer will receive a free copy of the first best ever book. You only get one guess. (laughs) Yeah, you can't guess seven times, people. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, we're going to do the review of the week. So if you purchase the best ever apartment education book on Amazon and leave a review and send us a screenshot, you have the opportunity to have your review read alive on the podcast, as well as receive a email full of free extra apartment syndication goodies. This week's review is from Ben. And Ben said, it's a good book to start with. It has, in my opinion, a little too much on motivational stuff and branding and personal goals. I know successful syndicators that don't have a website, but own 10,000 units. But the actual syndication stuff is pretty good. It does not have enough on financing like mortgages, and it is strictly focused on syndication with exit in mind. In other words, not a permanent hold, but all in all is better than other books out there. This gentleman rated it four stars, right? Four out of five. Mm-hmm. Right. I asked you specifically to bring this one up. So we have two four-star reviews. No, actually, I think one two-star review. And, and the, <laughs> the two-star review basically is, Great book. Love the content, but the cover was sticky when it arrived. <laughs> and so he gave the book two stars. Like, what, what can you do there? I have no control over that. And we sent him a new book. But this one was four stars. And I enjoyed reading it because I listened to a Matthew McConaughey commencement address to the University of Houston students on YouTube. And I watched it. And I recommend that. And one of the things that he mentioned in there was read your critics' reviews of you because oftentimes it brings to light things that you're really good at. So when reading this review, and it's important to understand what we didn't focus on as much, according to Ben, but it's also important to note, okay, this is a person, clearly they don't know me and they're someone who came across the book in some other way. So I love reading these reviews because they don't care what I think, most likely. So they're telling it like it is. And what the review made me realize is, okay, there are certain aspects that I am good at talking about and you are, Theo, good at talking about. And there are other aspects that we don't focus on as much. So I think it just showcases some of the strengths and then also brings to light some of the things that should we choose to elaborate more on than we could. And again, it's four out of five stars. So overall, two thumbs up. But it is good to also surround yourself with people who don't mind saying it like it is to you. And when you are putting yourself out in public, that happens. And believe me, the first time I got something like this, which was many years ago, where someone was criticizing what I was doing, it hurt bad. Mm -hmm. But that's just what's going to happen. And I'm not saying this person was in that category. Clearly, they had a good experience with the book. But it was something that it's important to just keep in mind. 
I agree. One thing that stuck out to me was the financing and the mortgages. And if you wanted to ask me questions about that now, because I've been working on a pretty long document for the past couple of weeks, I could tell you everything about those commercial loans now. So Ben, if you have any questions about that, you can email me at theo at joefairless.com and I'll answer those questions for you about the mortgages that you want to know about. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for hanging out with us. Hope you got a lot of value from our conversation. Hope to see you next year at the Best Ever Conference. You can go to bec20.com, bec20.com. We've got it all set up and ticket prices increase every single week. And we got about one year. So if you want the best price for the tickets, then go to bec20.com. If you don't know, if you're going to attend, but you think you might because it's a year away and who the heck knows what you can be doing one year from now, then get the tickets now and then you get a full refund minus 99 bucks up until I believe December, but just double check me on that whenever you purchase. There's certainly a full refund other than 99 bucks, but I'm not sure exactly what the date is, but I think you got all the way through 2019 to figure out your plan. So you can lock in the ticket prices now at BEC20.com and see you in Denver. All right, talk to you later. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account. The account's free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.